Sexual reproductive health and rights is not something that I would say it's one word. I always say that it's a plant seed from which so many things grow. If you don't give sexual reproductive health and rights, the problem of early age marriages grows up. The problem of unhealthy pregnancies grows up. The problem between couples grow up. You know, the abortion issues grows. So it's not even limited to these three, four things. It's much more than that. I always say that it's not about having a small family. It's about having a healthy family. It's not about when you are going to have a child. It's about if you are making a choice to have your family or it's the peer pressure or your family pressure who's asking you. I always make it in a fun way. Uh, even in my speaking in another way, I say that why the girls in subcontinent, I mean India and Pakistan, have a very short-term reproductive organs that expires after 25 years. But whereas when I go to other countries like in West, especially everybody's getting married, you know, around 13, a lot of women are having children at 35 and 40s too. I'm not saying that they would be not a single complication, but they're heavy and it's normal. But in a subcontinent, every woman is born with an expiry date of 25 years. So this is what it is said when somebody gets married, if you won't have child in the first year, oh my God, something's going to happen to you. And that actually makes you afraid if you are not, you know, into medical science and everything. So Pakistan has that issue. It is the issue in the subcontinent in Bangladesh and India as well, but same as it is in Pakistan. too. So this is the first thing. No counseling, no information and a lot of myths attached to it. Hello everyone, my name is Dean Long and welcome to the podcast Lifeline. In this podcast, I will interview people who are having a positive impact in their community and have a strong message that deserves to be shared. We will dive deeper into their journey becoming a change maker and hopefully you can take away some insights for your own journey. And please do subscribe to Lifeline on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or any platform that you are using. And also you can share this episode with your friends if you like it. It's really what helps me the most. In today's episode, you will meet Lara Abid, who is a sexual and reproductive health rights activist from Pakistan. She shares her journey launching Flair of Mashal, which empowered 25,000 women so far to make informed decisions related to family planning. Flair of Mashal is a youth and women-led organization advocating for equal rights in society and women's empowerment through sexual and reproductive health. We speak about how she learned to grab life-changing opportunities such as volunteering, scholarships abroad or grants, which made who she is today, and how she lives against the tide, being a woman in tech and a woman addressing a taboo topic in Pakistan. Enjoy this super cool episode. You will really feel the excitement and passion of Laraib and see you in one hour and 30 minutes. So again, I said it. A um, few times already, but I'm very happy uh, and very excited to have you, Larry, in Lifeline uh, podcast today. And I always start a bit how I got connected, how I, I discovered you. So in our case, it's Aggie, who is my colleague at UNDP, who introduced you to me because I was talking to her and she listened to the episode of Omer. And I was like, yeah, do you know any, you know, entrepreneur from News Collab you think is a good fit? And she was like, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to interview Lara. She's all, I think she oh, just. Oh, you pronounced my name so correct. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. 
And yeah, she, I think she just came out from one of your events and she was like, I think still very inspired. So she was like, I think you were all over her mind. Um, and yeah, I think since then, uh, it took some time, but we finally got the chance, um, to connect today. So yeah, very happy. And maybe just to kickstart, uh, would you like to introduce yourself, who you are, what are you doing these days or anything else that you want to share? Okay, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. That actually means a lot when somebody, you know, recommends in a way. Maybe for you, for them, it's just a nomination. But the, for, for the person, you know, who, whose name is taken, it, it's like making a date. So I'm really glad to be a part of it. And uh, my name is Lareb. I live in Lahore, Pakistan. And I've been working for sexual and productive health and rights since like seven plus years. So I also teach at a public university, state university, uh, and I also teach reproductive health and rights and gender studies. Uh, I teach because I love training. I'm a trainer and my teaching is more like a training program uh, because I believe that being a student, I actually felt a lot of gap uh, where we were not told about the opportunities, where we didn't know, you know, where we should move ahead so and so forth. So it's just one semester a year that I take, but that's for my passion. Uh, my full-time work is, of course, dedicated to sexual and reproductive health and rights, which is via Mushal. Uh, and Mushal is my uh, baby. <laughs> it's it's my organization that I lead. And uh, it's been almost now, I guess, again, six plus years since I started just as a social work activity one day. And I'm really glad that uh, it's been so many years. And Today, at, I'm at a point where I can say that I've developed something. Maybe I've impacted somebody or uh, maybe the tools that I've developed are quite recognized in a way that is helping people because I always wanted to do something that can in return create an impact, not just mere a business. So this is something that was my aim always. Uh, my education is sociology, the same uh, social work uh, studies. And then I went to UGRAD program. Uh, US EFP in US uh, for fully funded exchange semester. Then I came back and had my master's from Punjab University here in gender studies. So my field is, of course, linked to my work as well. And I chose health maybe because I came from a family of doctors. <laughs> maybe that's why I always, you know, a bit inclined towards that. But I'm glad that nobody forced me to be a doctor because I didn't want to. <laughs> so I came in this, but I really wanted to be in the health sector focusing family planning and that was an inspirational story that I'll just share after a few questions. Cool and I think maybe the first thing I want to say is you sound and you, you sound very humble now when you say you arrive at the stage where maybe you have impacted people and I think you have I mean just from what I understood what I have seen from heard from Aggie you've impacted a lot and a lot of people and it's actually, it's interesting because it's a question I wanted to ask you later. But let's, you know, when I, 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 I try to look at everything that you've been doing, your LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, like everything online. Um, and I found this too, you know, the, your Facebook intro, which is, uh, first, your nickname is Anna. I would love to have the story. <laughs> <laughs> and and also I've seen a social worker and want to be a change maker, love fashion, can go with the flow, traveler and feminist. Would love if you can explain all of that. And also why did you write want to be a change maker? For me, you are already, you know, a change maker. Uh, I'm very glad that I 
I was able to fit those words in the biography because there were very few words <laughs> allowed and it took like one hour to think how to write those all words that I really wanted. So yes, that's very accurate. Uh, I would say description of my personality or my passion, you know, the reason I wrote everything in other tense, but a change maker is want to be a change maker because I do believe that change is a continuous process. And you're always a part of it. I would never say that I've like, you know, made a change. I can say I've made an impact. Maybe I'm recognized. Maybe this is something that's being accepted. But change is uh, a very slow process, a very long process. So I want to be a change maker because I don't know if I would be able to, you know, be a part of that bigger change that I want to. But that was the reason that I wrote it a bit different way. And uh, very keen observation, I must say. <laughs> yeah, because... Uh, it definitely had the deeper meaning. And then I'm a feminist and it's very controversial in my country to even write that on the profile. But I believe that I literally own it. And for me, the, the, the definitions that people give on social media that they have in their mindset, which is being exploited with the group of those people who do not want equality and people are blindly following them because of them, I would never hesitate to take this. I believe in equality of genders and even all genders, not even two genders. So this is because, as I told you that even I, it's my, it was my study. I remember when I did my master's, it was in gender studies and I had feminism and all these as subjects. And at that time, nobody even knew what feminism is. And recently it has became so controversial. When, when it became controversial, I put it because a lot of women I have seen who were feminists, they were afraid to take the name that we are feminists. So I just wanted to, you know, be proud of this fact that yes, I am. And I won't care what social media says and what people are saying. And yes, I love fashion. Um, I remember many times in my life before my professional career, not now actually, when it was just a start, a lot of people have that misconception that people who are into fashion would never work or would never be a brilliant student. So I always, you know, didn't like this fact. And when somebody knew me, because I was also a topper throughout my school life, and that's why a lot of relatives were like why you didn't become a doctor because you you scored quite good but this is something that i've struggled because if i you know like uh you know dressing up and you know i like fashion why that fashion is so much linked into that person would not be intelligent and would just be into fashion so this is a stereotype that i broke and today of course i don't hear those comments anymore but i write that because i own it and this is a part of my personality and i i really uh like doing so but covid has actually changed this a little bit i never came to a conference never attended a conference so casually in looks that now I do because it's been two years and to, to be really honest now sometimes I, I I have sessions like five to six in a row and I'm sitting at home so the motivation is very low <laughs> when I was going motivation was very high then I'm a traveler uh, my mother used to travel a lot and maybe because of her I always liked traveling uh, but of course, being a student, it's not always easy. So when I started representing myself in the conferences, that gave me a chance to travel. And to be honest, the first and foremost part that I tell everyone, even my students, is that travel, traveling changes you. And I cannot explain how. I cannot explain. But I have seen difference in those people who have traveled than those who haven't. I don't know the reason. Maybe it's because you meet a lot of people. I was extremely crazy to meet new people from different cultures, from different religion. I still remember there was a batch who came to my university from another country. And 
I wanted to talk. I wanted to know their, you know, side, their exposure. This was something I don't know in me since long. So when I went abroad myself, I took this opportunity and literally met and talked to people as much as I could. I'm a very bad icebreaker, but I try myself <laughs> for that. <laughs> I, I try to be a good one. So yes, I love love traveling. I mean, if there's a conference there, which is you know, this is, this is something uh, like uh, two benefits in one thing. Uh, I of course want to meet people. I want to get exposure. And on the other hand, now I you know tend to represent my idea. I tend to represent my work, my country. So just tours is something else. And you know, being a traveler in this way, where I'm representing my work and also traveling, that makes me even happier. That is not just a tour. So I feel uh, more excited when it's this such kind of opportunities. So I never leave any fellowships. I never leave such programs that will always, always give me exposure. In fact, the idea that I got, even though the inspiration was a story of my friend, but somewhere, the reason that I actually came to that point was the exposure that I got abroad. Because you know, you you meet so many different people that you haven't seen since birth here. For me, traveling is a part of my life, and I never wanted to. And imagine me in the COVID. I mean, I had like almost six conferences in the in the year of COVID, I guess, and when they all cancelled, now only three are left for next year. I don't know if they will sustain that or not because you know there are issues with the organizers and everything that keeps on happening. But these these all things are really close to my heart. Social work, change maker, fashion traveling. This is something. Um, if uh, people who are on my social media know that these posts used to come a lot of time on my uh, social media timeline. It's really cool because I I can really feel when you say I you know you took time to think about it because when you know, like with fashion with feminists with can go with the flow it's you know these things that I felt like you want people to react like oh oh she's she lost fashion. Oh, she's a feminist. Oh, she like cannot go with the floor because it's always against what the majority will, like expect, and it goes well with can't go with the floor. Actually, it's like <laughs> everything is linked together. And also, I I, I find it so interesting that everything you manage, it's like it's all they are all connected together. Also, in your life, like it's not, you know, you mentioned you go to a conference or you travel. You put on your favorite clothes. You speak about feminism and your social work and the change maker side of you, and you try, and you try, try to be different. So I think it's very interesting. These few words, it really, it's interesting. Really summarizes like well uh, your life. Even though I, I don't know much about your life yet, so let's let's go into it. Um, and yeah, I think. From what you said, I, I just just inspired me one million questions. Uh, so maybe let's <laughs> let's sure. start. Um, maybe with a. I, I like to start chronologically. So you know, from your childhood. Uh, so you mentioned a bit that your two parents are doctors, and that also your mom loved traveling. Um, maybe could you share a bit about your childhood in Lahore, and what were your dreams when you were like a little girl? Yeah. So my sisters are also doctors. They are twins, younger than me. Uh, so most of my time that I spend is with my mother because uh, I my father left me uh, left this world a very long time ago. So most of the time that I've spent is with my mother. Even the childhood, and even you know afterwards, 
but if i talk about uh, my dreams or my childhood i would say that i was one of those kids in the class i still would say that was always confused about you know why <laughs> i am getting i was never so ambitious of getting first position to be honest but the thing that confused me was always like why those papers those three set of papers you know i have lesser marks or lesser scores than these three although my uh, struggle is the same my hard work is the same and then i remember one day there was a teacher and we just oh, we are very old uh, when i was in 6th grade i guess the computer uh, subject was introduced with this is mouse this is pc i remember there was a flow chart and our the teacher of computer studies she told us that you know in the flow chart you you can write any process you want so because i was very bad at cramming and memorizing so i wrote it about you know my own process so she gave that question in the paper and she said you know write anything any process so she had two examples of one of making tea and one was something else so i just thought okay i'll write about the tea so you know the the way my mother used to cook i wrote it and she crossed my whole question and you know she gave she deducted my marks i remember and she that she said that <laughs> you you don't put tea leaves with uh, water and milk at the same time and i was just in the 6th grade i was holding the paper of course i couldn't get anything at that time and i was like but we make it this way and i just kept thinking myself that why this this you know certain question has this marks now the reason that i'm telling you this is this is not something that happened for the one time throughout my school i kept on thinking that why i cannot cram anything i could memorize the concept but i could never cram it even if teacher would have said you know you have to cram i couldn't she told me you you have to write tea process i write the one that you know i used to make that's happening around me that that the concept that i have so this is my whole school life where i have been getting good grades in those subjects where there was creative writing where i could write myself and then there was those toppers who would cram the creative essay and i was like how come do you cram the creative essay i could never do it so their scores with me in that level were equal their cram and my essay marks and when it came to those subjects you know my teacher expected cramming i used to get lesser marks maybe this was something parents could also get what is the mindset of a child you know she's being more creative then i started in my extracurricular activities i remember i had uh, then you know uh, we have a course till 5th or 6th grade which is uh, other sort of syllabus we say private and then the government book starts when we have to give the board exam so now the government books are a little different so you know i um, i was still among the toppers and i was prefect and as you said that you keep all those things together so as a prefect i was not one of those students who would be the front bencher and very nerdy and i was like uh, doing uh, you know laughing talking to friends making fun and also studying so teachers would always be our friends because they would know that they are good at studies and then they also make fun and we were also at times first benchers and at, you know one day they would be last bencher so my life is i i always wanted to i don't know if I, i was able to but for me the life is not about just one thing it's not just education always it's not just not just always about work it's not just always about a person i think it's a it's a balance and life is beautiful when you have balance of all those things that you want so it's something built in me since childhood so when you know i grew up i did my pre medical i realized 
then i knew about climbing and everything and then i told my mother literally that you know this has happened in my childhood you know i used to think this you know there was a paper now i know that was climbing and that's why those papers were you know lesser marks and everything but no teacher could ever get it uh because this was not very common then i got it like being in 18 and 19 years old that okay that's the reason you know that was the confusion i had in the school so i always talk about the school system in our country as well which is mainly based on cramming like a lot of schools majority of the schools then i left pre medical uh, no no pressure from my family uh, and i didn't prepare for any exam and anything and i went to the architect design because i wanted and then i also got admission in sociology so that was my life's biggest <laughs> challenge to choose <laughs> if i should go into designing or if i should go into the social work because they both were equally important so then i write pros and cons and somehow managed to be in social sciences but the point all i'm talking about here is that i certainly believe that i actually believe uh, if i just talk about my own point of view that somewhere i did uh, feel like that i balanced my life it's not uh, people feel bad stressed out when they just are into one thing if they start studying it's just studying if they start partying it's just partying if they start if they get married it's just about marriage so i think a key to happiness is when you keep everything together with you and travel <laughs> oh it's um very like did this mindset like did it feel like from from what i i i understand it's both i think it's very good that you know you said no pressure from the family i feel like it's something very important at the same time i wondered like your creative side was it fostered by anything in particular like did you i don't know how to say but you were always creative or i don't know it's something i know your family is creative so you are also creative or is it something i know that mm-hmm. happened at some point my mother told me that i always was she tells me the stories that you were very young and used to used used to say okay this room can be like this okay you know you this dress could be like this or this something you know can be like this that we never even thought of so she tells me that i was like this since start but of course as a you know at that time you don't get it that it has a lot to do with the choice of career as well i believe that the people who are creative are meant for different arts or social sciences mm-hmm. i feel and i mean not it's not necessary but i just feel like they're happier over there um, my all family members are doctors and they are creative as well but i think the the side of creativity that i have uh, is more uh, that i've got from my mother she is very creative and she has actually had the life in such you know balanced way i would say that maybe subconsciously i have learned it from her and maybe a part of it is in my genes but i have been this creative since start day i remember myself in the school in the <laughs> very early ages some incidents that has happened so i i think uh, yes from very beginning and did you did you want to become an artist at some point or you were like how did you end up in the social work side Yes I still have my copies of first and second grade that I have kept in my room and I still say what I want to be and my answer written over there is I want to be an architect and even those spellings that I learned was very difficult at that time but I always wrote that I wanted to be an architect because my mom used to say that she is very creative so she is definitely going into you know she never you know said that only this field is something that you are going to so I I kept that but I don't know when I grew up and you know I went to this side what happened uh, 
I had pros and cons list. It was very difficult. I asked my mom. She said, "No, I'm not going to take <laughs> your decision, and you know, you have to take it yourself. I can just tell you what I think, but if I think the decision might be biased." So I took that decision myself, and honestly, there is no reason. I still believe that it, it was like totally equal interest for me because I love interior, I love fashion. I I, I think I the ideas comes to my imagination for clothing, designing interior, and every every those sort of projects. So even if I would be an architect, I do believe that uh, I would have put my effort for it too. So there is actually no reason, and I still believe it was like equal for me. Sociology in this architect was five years, <laughs> and sociology was four years. So there, this is one difference, which I don't know doesn't make like a lot of difference to be honest. But I somehow chose sociology. And during that time, you know, before before you started to study sociology, did you already start to travel with your mom a bit around like Pakistan? Oh, within Pakistan, yes, abroad, no, because um, she was a single parent at that time, and like she had a lot of responsibilities. We have struggled through, so we used to, you know, hang out a lot. We used to go in Pakistan, within Pakistan, a lot, uh, and that's why maybe I had this feeling that you know I will go out and something like this. And I used to see her pictures because before marriage she used to travel a lot. So and then she used to tell me that you know I used to go on scholarships because I used to go in the library and the scholarships were posted in the library. So uh, how come you will go to the uh, other countries in scholarships? And at that time, internet was emerging. It was not even here back in when I was in sixth or seventh grade. So when I grew up, internet came in and I saw the opportunities. She was extremely happy because she always wanted us to get exposure. So yes, part of it is because of her. But I started traveling after my bachelor's. My first time was my exchange semester that I started with. Okay, yeah, no, because it, I think it's nice to speak about opportunity. I saw that it's it has become a more and more important part as well of Mashal. Um, I mean, it's a huge jump in time. Um, But yeah, so, yeah. So hopefully we can speak about it uh, a bit later. Um, but yeah, so like you study sociology, um, mm -hmm. and is it? Because I felt like a huge. I felt like even I, mean, I, I think even before Marshall, you were already uh, quite uh, you know like a genuine reproductive and sexual health uh, leader in Pakistan because you were involved in all this. Initiatives? Is it something you discovered through your studies, or did it happen after you studied? So I started volunteering uh, because of my field. Everybody volunteers, but I always say that the volunteering is our field as well. So other people volunteer maybe for the credits or for the summer time, but we do volunteer because this is our field. So when I started volunteering, I got an offer for the job. I worked in NGO sector for two three years, and then also in international NGO for a year or so. So when I got the offer, by chance the offer was for a project. It was a national project for reproductive health and rights. So I started off straight away with that. Uh, but then when I worked, I did project. I got a lot of learning, and maybe that was uh, also an inspiration that I thought, no, I will also do something like this, but maybe on under my own umbrella, maybe pitching my ideas without any you know limitations or without thinking about you know there are certain restrictions in any organization, or maybe I wanted to lead. So yes, yeah, straight away I got the project actually of health. It was a coincidence. Okay, yeah. So good, good, very good coincidence <laughs> in the end. Um, okay, 
Um, and when did your exchange happen during that sociology uh, studies, right? Yes, last semester. So yeah, could you share a bit uh, before we come back on, on 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 your work in Pakistan? But yeah, like how, you know, what did it happen? How did it happen? Why do you say you have very bad icebreakers? Uh, mm -hmm. What happened? I think it was in, in, in the US, right? Could you share a bit like the highlights of this experience? Oh, I think those six months were like a complete life, one life that I've lived somewhere. It was like a complete journey. Uh, I remember somebody when I, I actually didn't know any platform before that. So I went to a volunteer uh, organization. I was volunteering and uh, there was a, you know, random group of people we met, we talked. So they, one of the, uh, you know, uh, volunteer from them, he told me that very casually and very uh, in a way that, you know, I wouldn't definitely know. He said, did you apply for UGRAD? So I was like, UGRAD? <laughs> What did you say? What's UGRAD? I said, did, can you spell it? So he said that uh, it's UGRAD. And that's it. The conversation ended. I came back home and that is something that I always tell people that I tell opportunities to so many people, but I haven't seen that passion in a lot of people that, you know, they stick to it, search it and make sure that they apply it. I came back, I Google it. I literally saw all the applications, all the videos I could see, everything. And I, I uh, you know, uh, met him next day and I told him that I have seen you, Brad. Uh, do you know what is personal statement? He said that, yes, I know. Of course, he knew everything about the opportunities. I said, can you uh, share a bit about it? So he told me what a personal statement is. I said, okay. This was my first time. I just, you know, verbally asked him and he sold, uh, also showed me a sample. And I wrote it and I sent it very confidently, very casually. And I, uh, after a few days, he asked me, did you send it? I was like, yes, since long I've sent it. And he was like, you didn't even go to your teacher for the proofread you know, to ask someone or I was like, no, shoot, I didn't. I didn't know that you have to go to the teacher for the proofreading. I didn't, it was very, I still have that personal statement with me. And then after a month or two, I got uh, an email stating that you're selected for the uh, exchange program. And I was jumping like anything. And my parents were so proud at that time. My father was alive and he, you know, was extremely, extremely happy and distributing the CDs to everyone and saying that, you know, she's going somewhere. I was really happy. Uh, so this was this was the journey. This is how I picked an opportunity. I, if you will tell me something that, you know, there's an opportunity even right now at this point, even if I'm occupied, I'm going to see it. I'm going to write it and I'm going to, you know, keep an update when it's coming. I am one of those people. I, I, I would never live in my comfort zone. So I believe because of that, I got that opportunity. And my personal statement was not so exceptional that it would, you know, make a mark. Especially Lahore is considered as a city with, you know, a lot of opportunities. They prefer people from smaller cities. Although I work in the boundaries of Lahore with the marginalized community as well. But uh, globally, people think that Lahore is just developed. You know, every corner is developed. So this was something, a very big shock to me. But of course, I was beyond excited we had an orientation i got the visa they gave us pocket money and i told everyone that you don't need any bank statement they even give you pocket money to give to go to islamabad embassy to go to for the visa they give you pocket money the things were new for me the fully funded stuff they gave the free flights and free food you know at all Uh, so this was very new and very exciting for me. And I was like, yes, these are the scholarships my mother used to talk about. So it was like very uh, optimistic approach that I had for this. I went there uh, again. Ice breaking is not my cup of tea. I've been working on it like since long. I, I should have, uh, you know, done it more. So 
when i went there <laughs> so it was very difficult for me to break the ice always so it was always you, those people who would you know come first <laughs> i was always friends with those i would never be the one to talk first although there is no harm in it but i don't know why this is something i find it difficult so uh, i made good friends but uh, the place where i went it was emporia state university it's a small uh, city uh, the americans were not uh, you know i've seen in my country that foreigners would come and we would be excited to greet and meet them uh, you know ask them offer them hospitality and everything but when i went there the, the americans were not at all interested in anyone so i saw that okay they are studying their the culture is a little different you know they are more into maybe the girlfriend boyfriends they would spend time with them whereas in my country and city there would be bigger group friends laughing making fun and you know the the ambience of university was very different from my university and my place it was very individualistic approach even a lot of people would just come alone just with the hands free and they and they would attend the lecture and go back so this was something very different for me imagine people who cannot even break the ice for them such environment was very different but of course uh, with such there are a lot of good things as well uh i got my host family which was not every you grad you uh, gradian had it but my host family was the famous in the group of you gradian everybody used to say we and we ulare so my host family is still in contact with me they are still my parents and i love them with the core of my heart i think they just had to spend two weeks with us they didn't leave us for a single day in six months whether it's our food it's our shopping dropping us to the airport it was not their duty she was always there always there and even imagine that i planned a trip to another uh, uh, you know uh, city and i didn't know that she thought it's she she has to pick up and i was arranging cab so i didn't tell her the you know schedule and everything so while i was coming it was very late night she was there at the pickup station and she said that you should have told me if it was late night i couldn't even utter a word saying that i didn't know that she was coming i mean she thought it so mandatory she was so sweet that she would say that i i feel good that when i am with you guys i can you know roam around the roads i can go out before you i wasn't you know hanging out much and this was a sentence that my mom used to say and it made me so emotional because she is also one of those people who would still come us with our with us for our work and would say that i feel good even doing work for you because it you know helps me to hang out go outside some something like this so she was also fond of this so she has been my backbone in pakistan and that my host family was my backbone because i lost my father when i was there after a month so i think my host family was the one who supported me like anything i mean i had my best birthday party over there they threw a party they picked up all my friends i mean it was not their duty at all whatever they have done without any agenda without anything so you know my best time has been those so if i say that if i have american friends those are the people who are my family uh, and rest of the people were the international students because my university had a lot of focus with international department so i had a friend from uh, russia i had a friend from syria they were my moz and yulia uh, were my really good friends and uh, it was it was a, of course a bit struggling time because um i haven't seen my grand grandparents so this was sort of first death that i've seen in my life i didn't know how to react i didn't know how to cope i also self isolated me for a while 
it was difficult for me to start traveling again but again my host family had been my strength they also had offered to go back to pakistan it was my last semester if i had you know uh, come back so there was i had sort of exchanged credits slash frozen my semester so if i had come back whole thing would have messed up then it's not easy to you know to, to, how would i know that i will be completing semester in what way how there was no answer so my mom mom told me that you don't need to come just try to you know uh, uh, enjoy over there take this out of your mind but complete your degree over there it's your one lifetime opportunity and i also believe that when uh, things keep on happening in life but you have to move on because you know such opportunities and things maybe you can get it again but if there was a but there's no point of coming back he he had already gone if he was here he was sick you you know you think different but for a person who's already gone my, my, my mother herself she was like and the the people at the program of you grad appreciated her a lot they said that there are very few people who actually say this because it keeps on happening with a lot of people when they come here so a lot of people even say okay we want to go back and all and there you whole semester and everything gets messed up so it's really good to see and that she is staying here so i stayed there for a, the whole period i completed everything but i i do believe that it was a full life that i spent there the travel i did almost i, I don't know 10 15 states that i've seen um people whom i have met people on the you know with different perspectives people at your side it was like a full journey i mean those 6 months i feel like i had lived a life whole life so that gave i i think that changed me as a person too was it so cool um so the way you share stories that you are like a very good storyteller um <laughs> you should add that in your <laughs> in your facebook uh, description um but no i think i mean you know when we you know all it's interesting to see like this other life or this lifetime this life changing experience all started from not much right but just this random guy who shared hey have you applied yeah. to your grad and you're like <laughs> but you know when we think about it you could have i mean there's so many ways you could have reacted yeah. either you you don't care either you you know you take the opportunity but you don't do anything with it you don't google i mean and i think i feel like it's it's for me there's two phases when it comes to opportunities i love this this concept of opportunities is one is yes being able to have access to them it's one phase but the second phase is also when you see them and able to identify them around you is to take them and you could have not taken them right so i just wondered like now why were you so keen why what makes you different from other people in terms of you know if there is an opportunity you want to grab it like right away always i don't know the reason but always even i'm telling that if you uh, there's some you know panel going on and they would say that there is one opportunity i'm definitely going to see it apply see the eligibility and see you know if it works because i believe life's short and uh, i have to do what i'm passionate for and if there are opportunities why should i even not apply there's like no concept of not applying for any opportunity whenever i hear so like you said i always discuss this with my you know friends and family as well you you might have heard about alternate universe so i always say that you know there's alternate universe 
and larev over there has not googled that she hasn't seen it she's living here so for every discipline in my life not only this i always say them so okay if it's an alternate universe and i wouldn't have done this imagine where was that so you know this also helps me to feel motivated and you know keep keep going keep on going when you apply do you usually expect that you will have it or not necessarily at that time for my first opportunity i had no feeling <laughs> i mean i i just applied it was for the very first time i even didn't know the application procedure how they will be taking the interview or everything nothing so there was nothing on my mind i just applied with my whole what i could you know uh, write the best i just applied with my whole heart and a whole uh, r&d that i did so that was my approach towards i'm going to do the best and leave it the rest did you i feel like it's a very deep question but it inspires me but do you have any regrets in your life regrets in my life oh no i think even if i have failed at something or there was something that you know didn't bring out the best in me and didn't give the best you know moments taught me something always so this taught me about people about life so i wouldn't say that i regret because if that wouldn't have happened so i think i might wouldn't have learned but i've learned afterwards so i wouldn't call anything as regret or maybe something like that hasn't happened would people call it regret um, i wouldn't say that okay cuz now i find it interesting because i i i think there's two ways in this series that I'm building right now but either you know you apply to all opportunities because you you know you expect that you will get them either you apply because you don't want to have regrets later and i feel like you know with the concept of alternate universe you're like <laughs> you know think about her <laughs> who's not taking any opportunities like you have the chance to t- still like try and whether you get it or not you know you tried your best um so yeah i think it's interesting like uh yeah this interesting mindset i always think as i love to sh- to think about the first step in no to uh, like a tree of like what happened and things like this and see okay yeah, what you think that everybody is like this because people complained a lot about opportunities so i thought everybody is like this but then i saw that it's not the case a lot of times people know about opportunities but they don't want to step out of their comfort zone they either are into you know hijacking other people's ideas or maybe bad mouthing or maybe i don't know that even doesn't give any sort of happiness or success or progress in your life but they are happy doing this and then they keep on complaining but they don't want to even you know try the opportunities get out of the comfort zone so initially i used to think that everybody is the same they just complain because they don't get the opportunity so i was like oh my god i will tell you <laughs> i would i used <laughs> I used to take everybody in my board and say, "Oh, if you don't know, I will tell you what's the big deal." You could also then, also of course, I learned a lot of lessons then. It also proved harmful for me because it's not the case with everyone. So I have learned over time. It's funny how you you started from a place where you don't have access, you don't even know such opportunities exist, to become the one who's who's the opportunity. 
distributor you know <laughs> i do have a workshop as well for just opportunities and whole year there are a lot of messages that keep popping in my inbox when are you doing that workshop when are you doing that workshop mm. do wonders everybody is waiting for that and i also for my students so now i do just because of people like me because i still believe that you know why did i come to know about this in last semester why my teachers didn't tell me about this in first semester there are a lot of volunteer opportunities abroad there are so many fellowships why i didn't know that in first semester imagine if i had started in 18 age you know in 28 years it's a decade of learning uh, uh, you know work and ideas and everything so i do have this feeling that why teachers and mentors didn't tell it on time so i try to be that one that's why i tell my students and people who are in 20s early 20s that you know don't face these these years these are very special definitely i i i recently interviewed um a vietnamese woman who grew up in a small alley in vietnam so in 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 an environment where she doesn't have access to opportunities and she told me only people who've been through that understand the value of opportunities because it changes their life so they know it can change people's life but if you i i believe that if you grow and you always have so many opportunities coming at you you don't necessarily realize that it has this life changing yeah. like uh value because you just have as an everyday um so you know really love and i mean well so i think it's perfect transition to speak about mashal and your reproductive uh and sexual health advocacy um yeah i think i what well, from what i've been observing it has been a huge journey you said six, seven years from i mean so many things uh, but maybe just to start uh slowly uh do you remember i don't know the either the first day of mashal or the day you had when you said you had the idea of doing something by yourself but when was the day you were like okay i'm going to do it i think it was in my first job when i was like if you know other people can have a team and have an organization why i can't always have to you know work under someone and why can't i have an organization where maybe i can freely pitch my ideas this was the first thought that i came you know to my mind and uh, even through my uh, school life i have also observed that thing in myself that i was a better but i was better at work when it came to my ideas instead of you know being under someone this is in my nature this is not always good but i i couldn't help it because this is something in my nature that you know i want to maybe co lead lead but cannot be under someone this is bad so i even forced myself for the sake of learning it's really important that you work under someone i have learned everything from that you know part working with someone working under someone because that's how you grow so that was never easy so that that was for sure that i'm not going to do any job i'm just going to be an entrepreneur I'm going to do my own work but not job so even i'm teaching is because you know you're teaching in university has there's nobody you know above me telling me how to you know teach what to teach one of the reasons why i also teach is because the way you know it is designed i it's my choice what i teach my content everything is like totally totally autonomous especially in state universities if private universities have a bit of you know involvement with staff too so this was something from uh, in my mind long ago but then i uh, one day i said okay how can i start that happened when i came back 
and from us again the chain you know the, i also say one this is my own own very own quotation that if you have haven't got another opportunity from one opportunity you have failed at first opportunity uh, because that's how my chain has become from one even till now this has been a chain of starting from you grad i volunteered somebody told me so i got an opportunity which means my volunteership was also successful i went there i came back and uh, we i didn't know even about the alumni networks honestly because they had an email id so we all got an email that now you are a part of alumni network and we have seed grants and i had no idea about seed grants but i knew that i'll have an organization so i said okay let's you know put the seed grant thing under my organization and let's do it the social work so i said okay i will i i will think about it and i'll do it so i pitched for interfaith harmony i remember i had like uh, it was very small grant it was just like i guess 150 dollars just 100 150 $100. and i remember not caring about this and i planned an activity i gathered christian community hindu community sikh community and muslim community which is very rare especially in my city uh people who are from sindh do have inclusion of hindus and uh, you know temples in them but in punjab everybody would be like oh my god are you hindu if somebody is hindu so it's not something very uh, casual and uh, happening a lot of times so i gathered all of them we had a dialogue i still remember that you know everybody eats chicken in our country it's very normal i remember that keeping this thing in mind that i said that there would be only rice and potatoes that made them so happy because they are usually non veg uh, they are vegetarian sorry uh, other other uh, religious people so they were so happy that in pakistan it is so rare that somebody remembers this the chicken is like so mainstream and common for you know hosting it's it's something special that people forget that and even that comment still makes me so happy that they were so they felt it a nice gesture we had a dialogue we ate food in a place and then i took all of them first to mosque then we went to temple then we all went to you know gurdwara and we then we went to church and it was i i don't know i still get goosebumps i felt so nice with all the religious people and you know everybody visiting all of it you know respecting all all the pla- all places it was very nice so i just did their project and submitted the report and i had no idea I, it's still there on the website if you write irex i r e x uh, their alumni network grant they published my idea in their website out of a lot of ideas and they said that we want to publish your story and we want to publish a success story and i was like how come is it a success i didn't know that you know it, it could go this long and they would contact me they interviewed me they put my story and it was a big deal for me i was like wow that was my first publication i guess and my first own project there were publications but of course not directly mine so i was extremely happy extremely i i was like <laughs> jumping <laughs> because i did it from a very you know with my own own heart and you know listening to the feedback of the people who came there listening to the feedback of the donors actually meant a lot i was extremely happy so uh, the, again the grant announced next year i didn't know where else to apply i applied for the same grant i waited for the 6 months it was i i guess coming after 6 months again a very small grant again i applied for one activity another idea and then i uh, secured third one and then i secured fourth one the small ones and then they put me in the list and this uh, took me as a speaker that how there is one person who have got four role uh, four grants in a row so maybe the new idea pitchers can learn from her 
and imagine what would i have been feeling like someone who didn't even know anything someone who didn't even know proposal writing at all i just pitched my ideas because it you know at that phase it doesn't matter much how you write but it's more about the idea so i was so happy i spoke there and it was like oh my god okay i didn't know that they don't give grants consecutively to a person so then i knew okay they don't prefer it back to back so those four grants gave me uh, and mushal also the you know opportunity to conduct projects and that's where mushal started that's how it started okay and and so yeah which specific so i guess you pitch a specific event or specific project um now it's so big uh, so yeah so what was it like a I don't know workshop as well to raise awareness about uh reproductive and sexual health or yeah could, could could you share a bit like which project did you do So when there was a gap between the small grants what I used to do was I used to do social work activities I even go to orphanages I would go to the uh, I still remember I have that activity I just went we all just went on Eid day the the other Eid which is more fancier and we meet people to the guards doctors and everybody who's on duty at the same day and we you know distributed food just just randomly there was like no point of you know uh, maybe making something but we just wanted to so when i uh, volunteered for an organization that i was working on and they gave me the project of reproductive health and rights and you know coming from a family where you know everybody talks about health and women health and my mom is also very uh, bold and blunt about women rights and because we are three sisters i've always heard this from other people i remember in my childhood that telling my mom how you can have a son or maybe it's better to have a son and oh my god you have twins and those are also daughters and my mom giving them a befitting reply that these three are daughters are my sister to everything and i don't need anybody else so i've heard this but i didn't know that again i didn't know that it's called patriarchy it is something happening in every other house it is something that other people also relate to so when i took that project and i heard about such stereotypes such gender inequality and i realized that it, i i could relate to a lot of it <clears throat> i could see that you know where people are coming from so that's where you know my project gave me insight but if i talk about my own organization working on sexual reproductive health and rights is the inspirational story so before that application i was also working but i was you know doing uh, you can say workshops talking about reproductive health and rights uh, so my friends knew that i'm working on this my friends knew that i have doctors in my family so that's where my inspiration story comes in where my friend you know called me she's an engineer and she said that i don't know what are contraceptive methods and can you connect me to a doctor i said that uh, i was a bit confused and i was like okay i will connect but is everything okay she said that you know she has two ch- child uh, two children and uh, her husband comes by annually and in kuwait there is some visa issue pakistanis are not given spouse especially so she is not mentally ready for the third child so she wants to know them a contraceptive method i thought it's very common at least after marriage at least after one baby everybody knows so i said that how come you don't know to me it was a surprise although i was working on the same thing she said that oh, how would i know that you know before marriage people are you know they always raise their eyebrow why you're going to gynecological centers and why you are you know talking about such things it's good to have a baby in the first year of marriage and then after marriage if you go then again they are like why you're going then we have mobility issues i've seen on all asia including vietnam bangladesh india uh 
everyone bhutan every woman has bike and if not it's because of the certain economic conditions but here even if you're economically good there are no women on bikes so it's so rare that if now there is a woman on bike people take pictures and put it on media it is so rare it is so rare here so there is mobility issue a lot of women and and i still don't get it honestly i've seen asian countries coming out of this thing now and making mobility easier because i think that's the need of an hour but this is something we still lack so there is mobility issue she couldn't go and of course girls are not allowed to leave home all by themselves if you understand the asian culture as well or maybe subcontinent culture she said that i said okay why you didn't google it or believe everything you haven't gone but what about google she said that information is scattered where is the single information together what is the religious information how would i know which method i should use what are the pros and cons i said okay i i do know that there are telehealth services why you didn't call any hospital she said what where are the numbers i couldn't find so these are the questions i randomly i still have that chat by the way i i i see that chat i'm so glad that was a chat that was not, not just on the call but she also you know chatted me afterwards because now I I see that back and it makes me happy because when i chat after again talking to her i researched again on the google and i saw that there would be if there is any platform but i also realized that there was no single platform of course there are websites you know of government telling their helplines separately of one thing then some organization telling theirs because if they would share other helplines their business would get affected right so they would never tell at one platform so i thought that why there is no one platform how would somebody know about contraceptives if they cannot go outside so this was a, a brainstorm discussion sort of thing that happened and i pitched this idea i discussed it with someone and i uh, he's my senior and uh, he said that yes it's a very good idea so i remember uh, i i used to keep on applying on the fellowships again i came back from a fellowship and the fellowship offered grants and luckily i got that grant and i pitched this idea at that time so i made a pilot phase of one city only so i made that and today the recognition is all because it started from that idea and i remember when i went to us for a, a global accelerator program billin melinda gates institute called us their trainer that sentence would always stick to my mind because unintentionally i did that he said that ideas become a success when you make a tool after seeing a problem instead of making a tool and then solving a problem you know you see a problem then make a tool but people create make a tool and then create a problem and then i went back to my journey and i thought okay yes i also saw a problem and you know i i tried to solve that and you know i connected so that sentence has you know gotten in my mind so that was my journey for muscle specifically after i left my work because then i started with the fellowship of course it's still even not right now easy to sustain it's not easy because you know every time you are out of resources and that's the difference between impact making organizations and business in business at least you're getting revenue if not you know uh, you sustain it revenue is normal but you're getting something if once your business has started but in impact organization even you are at the peak even if you are recognized at the end you don't have revenue you know uh, maybe you are creating free apps you are getting the projects so to make it sustainable it's always really important to you know add this point of uh, revenue generation i believe but it's not always possible in every sort of act for organizations so it's 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 a tricky journey to actually follow uh, impact organizations at least in my country and uh, no no i think it is in my country because i'm i maybe you have no idea but in pakistan it's extremely tricky to receive funds now 
to register your organizations um, as non for profit uh to you know get the certificates to get the bank account every step is a hurdle so you don't get it and for business everything is okay because you know they are paying tax so everybody who has two options would never think about this journey it is full of hurdles and those hurdles are at times even no matter how much hard work you do are not going to get uh, you know uh, away because there are policies there are in the they have said it i don't know at the back or what i don't know but they don't let us get registered for so many reasons everyone says that everybody has tried so the other path which is of business is easier and it it has revenue it has no issues it is not <laughs> looked down upon feminism ngo you know bad bad things and business is fine business woman sounds cool then you know ngo person so i think that path that i have chosen is also not so fancy and easy uh, and uh, i did start some sort of small business not like very much of my passion but just to see how i perform and it was a good experience it was very smooth actually but then again until i am in the youth age where i could create sustainable solutions i would again go back to the ngo sector no matter what the connotations are to it i would again go to it so i i stuck there i, I stick there i think that's my destination i left architect for it so i don't think in now i would choose you know other side just for the sake of because there are hurdles and so definitely maybe at a age if i i'm out of resources then i cannot say i try to sustain a lot that i sustain in a way that i can carry on this organization for 10 more years at least but if i couldn't that's another thing because you know in country the i would say bluntly i wouldn't say even if i am you know sitting at a role uh, where now i would be working at the policy level at government but i would still say that the journey for uh, non for profit is very difficult it's very difficult there's so many hurdles don't let you get anything so how could you even if you win the idea it's it's all in vain and yeah. that's I mean it's crazy it sounds so complicated and i think on top of that it's I mean i feel like it's only one of the challenge that you face among everything else because I think one thing is also I mean you mentioned it somewhere as well it's like you have your app I think I, I didn't from what I understand you don't have an app like or develop a background so this is another hurdle to to you know overcome and figure out as well you mentioned all the issues around uh reproductive and sexual health or so the concept even of feminism is taboo or tricky in Pakistan Yeah. And you have all of this to deal with at the same time. Um maybe just yeah like first like were you never afraid first maybe on the taboo side to 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 propose a solution in that sector or you were always super confident or yeah I wonder did you ever feel afraid or scared or not sure of what could happen? Actually there is this thing of confidence in me you just said like a few minutes earlier i've heard this from a lot of people that you are good at public speaking not at a single place no matter how much the controversial topic is has anyone you know uh, pointed something that no this is bad although they they do think that's bad <laughs> i mean it's not like that they don't think as bad or i've always gotten a very good audience or maybe they're mesmerized no but i think i do um connect to people at a point i use those words where people could get comfortable i you know sort of 
you can say be vulnerable in front of them in a way that you know um i how i have also faced such issues my friends have faced and your mothers or your do- you know daughters or sisters or your relatives would have faced so i think my public speaking has helped me a lot a lot because that fear was somewhere in my uh subconscious definitely definitely because this topic even the, the one of my team member <laughs> went somewhere and the person from the government sector said that what sort of vulgarity you are promoting in your app you know there's no need to tell this people would start having affairs and they would know the contraceptive so that they have no conception and they would not fear god i've heard this and it was the first time only my team member was there so maybe you can say it's a coincidence or it's my public speaking but no matter it was there were men women older younger government private sector till now nobody has said that what vulgarity was spreading although i thought i would get it i would get it because i've seen people talking like this i've seen even on social media i i was very uh, curious so i don't know maybe some people you know i i believe that other people have the same motto as well the people who are working on reproductive health and rights they have good motto they have good uh, you know approach towards it but maybe the way they are communicating or maybe unluckily i would say at times i've seen very good things getting very bad reviews so no, i wouldn't always say words but till now this happens this has not happened with me at you you can check my reviews in the app section you know you cannot delete a review if somebody puts that there you can see on the facebook uh, you can google it uh, but i have seen campaigns just re- recently i think a week back there is an organization who um, published a st- uh, sort of advertisement where they are uh, saying not to you know um, cover uh, contraceptives and sanitary pads into the brown paper so people in some certain groups were very offended by that and they said that why you are even talking about our privacy this is something we feel comfortable with this is our norm so why you are attacking our norms we don't want to uncover those and there was a lot of negativity around it so it's not like and it was very well made advertisement i would say but and i was that's why i was a little bit afraid but on the other hand i was always confident about you know connecting with people at such level Uh, you know uh, for the training uh, when when there is like a full hall i i i always feel like if there are 200 people i wouldn't speak if somebody is not listening to me i've seen speakers still speaking and nobody is listening to them i make sure that i speak in a way that everybody is quite at least you know 95% of them are listening i start in a way i connect with them so maybe that's why i have because i don't think that uh, my product is some uh, exceptional that they haven't said a bad word about it people do say but maybe it's more about how you are communicating it what are the words you are using it because at the end of the day we are still working for the impact we are still working but it's controversial it's again choosing then from business to this side and from this side to another you know controversial thing climate is very fine very soft nobody would say anything to it tree plantation is very soft so you could do anything like this nobody would say a word but talking about women rights and reproductive health and rights is oh my god one of the biggest people according to people was and anybody could go viral in a bad way anybody would you know, be defamed on social media and that's why people started hiding and their profiles and talking about it so that's another challenge in this field so yes uh, maybe one part is public speaking another part can be luck i don't know still yet this hasn't happened is it uh, uh, on the public speaking part is it something 
were you always you say like naturally good at this? Or is it something you had you you learned because you were conscious about that? This was something since uh, I was in school, and that's why I wanted. I, I told them go to extempore. I wanted to, you know, be in extracurricular activities, write my own essays. Didn't want to cram. So this was something in me since birth, I guess. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's different nature of everyone. Even my closest sister might not be like this. You know, she's different. Uh, she might be creative, but not in that way. So I believe that it has a lot to do with the nature and personality as well. Of course, schools play and your parents play a very very big role in making you confident. I believe that. But on the other hand, same people are there in the class, but they are not, you know, alike. Everybody is different. So then, I think the, there's a personality part that comes in, and this public speaking and being a bit creative is, I think, was more in uh, as a part of my personality. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I I never saw it like this this way. Yeah, it's like I find it very interesting because. You adopt vocabulary, like how to make sure people really listen to me, and how can I meet them halfway, basically, so mm. that they don't need to do all the efforts, and maybe they might not listen, they might be against you, but you, because public speaking, yeah, it's many people speak about techniques and stuff, but it's most of all understanding who is in front of you and how you can make sure they listen. Uh, no, so that's super super cool. Um, maybe just to come back on. Like maybe like the concrete activities that you do with Marshall. Um, I know I'm not the best expert on reproductive and sexual health. Could you maybe briefly redefine or like elaborate a bit more on what are the I don't know specific issues for Pakistan in this regard, and that okay. you are trying to address? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Pakistan, uh, first of all, is the main issue is not, you know, uh, removing the generational gap and thinking about these things as something vulgar. This is the first thing, not accepting it. The second thing is that uh, sexual reproductive health and rights is not something that I would say it's one word. It's more like, it's, it's, I, uh, I always say that it's a plant seed from which so many things grow. It's if you don't give sexual reproductive health and rights, The problem of early age marriages grows up. The problem of unhealthy pregnancies grow, grows up. The problem between couples grow up. You know, the abortion issues grows. So it's not even limited to these three, four things. It's much more than that. I always say that it's not about having a small family. It's about having a healthy family. It's not about uh, how or when you are going to have child. It's about if you are making the choice to have your family, or it's the peer pressure or your family pressure. Who's asking you? If you are making the choice, or it's your uh, myth that I always make it in a fun way, uh, even in my speaking in another way, I say that why the girls in subcontinent, I mean India and Pakistan, have a very short-term reproductive organs that expires after twenty-five years. But whereas when I go to other countries like in West, especially everybody is getting married, you know, around thirteen, a lot of women are having children at thirty-five and forties too. I'm not saying that there would be not a single complication, but they're heavy and it's normal. But in a subcontinent, every woman is born with an expiry date of 25 years. So this is what it is said when somebody gets married: if you won't have a child in the first year, oh my God, something's gonna happen to you. And that actually makes you afraid if you are not, you know, into medical science and everything. So 
Pakistan has that issue. Uh, it, it is the issue in the subcontinent in Bangladesh and India as well, but same as it is in Pakistan too. So this is the first thing: no counselling, no information, and a lot of myths attached to it. Now coming back to the services, uh, services are out there, but because you don't talk about it, how would you know that what are the services available for it? Somebody would suggest services when you're going to talk to your children. We don't have any, you know, uh, sex education. We don't have even LSB, which is like life skills based education in our curriculum at all. Even the reproductive health uh, chapter, which is in the bio- biology chapter, is you know uh, torn and you know stippled and not, not taught in our schools. Th- these are the stories that still in this century in this metropolitan cities keeps on happening. So number one are the myths and these things attached to it, and then there is the second portion of not get, getting you know awareness about the platforms available. So these are the two things. So SRHR are, is like a broader term, which has a lot of consequences because it's not given. And one of the reasons that recently men are engaged into such uh, you know thematic areas is because here, if you just guide women. at then they they're going to go home it's patriarchal and men are going to take the scenes and that they are not going to you know listen to it but on the other hand we are not saying that we are you know endorsing patriarchy and we are engaging men because they will take the scene we engage men to tell them that it's your you know wife's right to also discuss no and plan for her own health as well to give her the rights to so it's really important to take men and women on board there was a time when only women were taken as on board nobody uh, you know i maybe i don't know about other countries that much i have the rough idea but here there is no concept of vasectomy at all only the point is about the women contraceptive methods be that permanent to you know temporary nobody talks about men contraceptives which are easier shorter less painful even then why i, I don't understand this why but i always talk about this so sexual reproductive health and rights is like beyond these all things but it you know maybe starts from a very small thing of lack of awareness and it goes you know to your whole life impacting your decisions so that's where mushil stands and that's on something we have worked uh, so initially before or apart from application uh, i always try to maybe add some innovative approach innovative i don't know sustainable i don't know but in a fun way you know people would attract to for example recently i just uh, had very funny short stories on family planning so it's on youtube and it's a small story of every household in our society that it looks like and what they you know do for new couples for old couples for siblings what happens some are funny some are very funny some are serious so i made short youtube series because covid everybody was at home so uh, before that when it was in person sessions we used to do theater plays uh, i engaged theater groups i used to outsource and they used to act and it was very you know powerful performance and then when i made the application i used to tell them to add that new story you know uh, telling audience that you there is an application you could download so this was the second thing third i uh, engage uh, young people a lot on social media as well you know using the profiles their uh, feedback their what the impact they had in their lives and uh, Uh, inviting them to the seminars and sessions where they can stay connected do internships or volunteer with us like the way i started you know day long ago they can also start with us i always have interns usually from my students as well but from other people who apply to uh, that too and then we you know came to this point where we had this tool development we started off with just one android application at that time it was a small grant again 
then i went to web application then i went to ios application then i went to you know from one city to uh, whole province of punjab from 10 clinics to 2500 clinics that i added from english to urdu i have the audio version in it for the people who cannot uh, you know see uh, and we also included a sub story of a person who cannot see and you know using that application so these are the small things that we keep on adding there's a one uh, a manual that you can use for training people if you want even in the rural areas the, the manual is in my app you can download and use it so these are the small things that i keep on adding in my application to make it more innovative sustainable or maybe more creative and then i added a e store recently you can buy srh products but on the discounted rates so basically i'm not selling them because it's not making any revenue but you know i through this platform we have connected to another store and that store is giving our customers discount so you know in, in that way they use the application so these are the things that I, that we keep on doing and then this time i thought of another innovative idea which was also of course pitched with when i was working with the people who were you know making the videos so it's a song just launching i i guess after 3 4 days so we 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 sort of decided the lyrics and we have a song it's a fun way of telling how a lot of siblings have made a person feel like in a home where where he feels like everybody is unknown so it's a fun based rap music and we are launching it in a day or two so i always feel like that i don't want to do some mainstream things but i do have challenges for that always you know there are a lot of organizations such bigger organizations which have been working for 30 40 years or 50 years at times donor is more lean towards them they are like they have better structures of course they do have hr managing financial everything is there but on the other hand young people definitely need support for that because you know i would carry on a project i would make mistakes and that's when i next time i would know where i made mistakes but one thing that i can assure you is that the ideas which are coming from the young people wouldn't even match a single one from coming from those who are working since 50 60 years so meaningful youth engagement is the key i feel really bad when we are called for a conference and they take pictures and they send us away or they call us as a panelist everybody is given first turn they are given half an hour and young people are given last 5 minutes even no matter how much they are recognized they are still taken as a kid so this is very humiliating especially when you get exposed and you see this people who are you know abroad they listen to you like you are somebody influential they give you such such respect and such an honor that when you come back and you feel like at such platforms you are treated this way so it's very disheartening and that's why keeping up with the resources is not always easy you know or getting back to back projects because you'll get projects from the alumni associations or you know uh, as i told you that registration issues are there so many things already cut down a lot of organizations would say that you would be operating at this high budget already or maybe you have this structure set up already so if you would have such sort of uh, uh, what i would say conditions how can you empower young people especially women i have worked and i haven't seen anybody teaching me proposal writing when i started writing out the ideas i didn't know technical writing to be honest i have learned it over time nobody taught me nobody teaches even if you ask or beg them they don't i don't know but it's it's not the you know scenario over here so this is one of the approaches and that's why i respect those donors and those people who are uh, you know 
supporting young people just based on their ideas no network no reference just their ideas knowing that they might have a little you know lesser uh, i would say hr management system or financial system or the offices might not be so big and organized they might be even working from one room five six people but when they support that's when i guess you know young idea your youth ideas keeps sprouting is it it's still very less in our country even if there is it's coming from international ones so national ones are still very less that's a challenge that's the biggest challenge and then coming for a women led organization it's another challenge because people don't believe it's sustainable yeah i agree with everything you say but you said it in a much better way that i could ever <laughs> think of <laughs> um, but no I, i mean for me it's beautiful to see the growth of mashal but in the sense of of course what you do around you know family planning reproductive health etc but also in terms of youth development youth engagement very interesting how you broaden what you do because it's also your story of your life right being mm. a young leader being more confident and tackling all these issues um and maybe just on that to speak a bit about the future but what is your I don't know what is your dream what is your vision or how you said you at least you'd like to have Mashal run for the next 10 years um, but <laughs> so yeah what <laughs> so what what do you hope to achieve in the next uh, 10 years uh the reason i said 10 years because i am not going to behave the way some people do even if they you know are old enough you know to even invite young people when it's 10 years or 15 years more i would definitely invite gen z to you know they have newer ideas than me i'm millennial now i i would say that they have better ideas after 10 years i'm gone this is my time and then you know the era of next generation is going to come in that's why i say that at least for 10 years i want to keep pitching my ideas if mushal still grows i would have other people to you know be in the line of leaders so my dream is of course to sustain the organization and not only sustain but also to make an impact and uh, not let this organization's application die because i've spent a lot of effort in you know talking about it promoting it i i don't want to wrap it up just because of lack of resources that's always one of those uh, fears that i have especially especially talking about the current state policies and everything but one of the things that gives me hope of course covid was also very depressing because i i i won some grants <laughs> and they were taken back because i know that in pandemics and epidemics you work for the things that's more important but um i do believe that i never thought never thought i even didn't know the name that this organization is linked to link when i got family planning leader award from bill and belinda gates institute the only woman from pakistan who got it and i think achievement is not getting awards achievement is making an impact so of people said uh, and even on the websites and even we wrote on social media as well you know that i've achieved this but i've always felt from my heart that achievement is not a what awards are for boosting my morale i feel it really good when somebody is accepting you know sort of people are people second you that yes this is important so for me awards comments feedback is extremely important i'm one of those people that i you know they are dying to know the feedback dying to know how i teach even from my students i am one of those people so awards actually give me that insight 
so they are also important but if i say that is what's an achievement achievement would be impacting people so when i got this award i was again very overwhelmed positively i was very happy and then i you know switched from one city to more cities and coming from that i worked with a government department i remember this secretary telling everybody that this idea should have been in government place it should have been coming to our department i wish i had somebody to record that <laughs> because that was really important again it was a feedback for me it was it means a lot to me coming from you know secretary from a government person who doesn't even know me and knows that i am just a youth led organization no links nothing no no connections no collaborations so they just they didn't call it collaborate because you know the registrations were not complete so these are the hurdles we have so these things and then coming this is happened and we did consultancy for uh, government led organizations as well uh, but i really really always whenever i talk i want to uh, name those platforms like 120 under 40 which is from bill and melinda gates like women deliver you know from where i started if even uh, you know if i didn't have that start i don't know where was i today and then today you know keeping in view that young youth led organization is a risk to take you know uh, uh, supporting them guiding them amplify change has been a big support uh, making dreams come true making the ideas come true making this song launch this youtube series this applications to ios you know expanding it i always want to thank them wholeheartedly because i know what challenges we have as youth as young as women so my dream now is because of amplify change i would say again i will give credit to them because of them i was able to work in the last year because it was like there was nothing uh, left you know what happened in across the world because of them i worked and this year i got selected in prime minister national youth council i don't know if you have seen that or not and that is a big deal it's unpaid it's volunteer but it's not about always payment it's not always about you know getting resources but getting on a state level at the level of prime minister not even local or federal or you know those departments which are provincial at a prime minister level at a president level where you know that even if you won't be able to work because of certain restrictions you still have that position where you can influence at least one thing in two years at least the least i could do would be one thing so i cho- and the, the most happiest part was that the national youth council they had a separate theme for sexual reproductive health and rights because of you know our population issues so of course i uh, straight away went for srhr and now i am in the policy making at state level now we just had a orientation and oath ceremony last month and uh, now we are into srhr group as i said that i am closing up my project wrapping up and after that we are working on the policies i mean i i cannot even dream i don't want to even imagine it that if we discuss policies that's actually going to be implemented in pakistan from us this is huge for me huge coming from just like one social work activity today you know working for consultancies uh, i got big donors good organizations that i always called as that maybe i'm lucky because i've seen other people hard working i've seen other people ideas but sad part is that they sometimes don't get even at times i don't get the sustainability and that's why i lose a lot of team members because of that but now because i am at a point that even although of course i don't want to leave the marketing of the project i want to continue expanding the application but for example if i don't have funding i just feel optimistic in this way that at least i am at a government level working you know that's not going to stop that's going to continue in fact my uh, ideas now would be more amplified more would you know multiplied and i could take it to the bigger level 
so this is this has sort of given me security in that way which is non monetary but feels good because i have seen a very big gap between two projects and i lost like oh, some good team members and you know that that consistency that you need to have maybe i would have have had all pro four provinces in my app right now that i didn't have it right now but yes i i do dream to work on policy level because i think that's the the social work was the just the grassroots thing but at the end what you're envisioning is the policy level change at the government level because government level change is what we all need right so even if they would you know i would be happy to make something for them by making i mean developing an application or something but that's going to sustain forever but i should know if it's going to sustain if it's going to be left after a year it's better to work on policy and not on tools policy then gets implemented converts into laws and something but when it comes to tools we don't know how long they're going to take it with them so my focus was not even on tools even everybody said that this should be on government level i don't know how much they they're going to sustain it they want there are a lot of issues in that government level but when the policies get accepted you know somewhere it it is going to be there in the process of laws and policies and all that so my dream at then which i think i'm very near to Uh, and i don't know if i would be able to complete that or not but i'm optimistic about it is to work on policy level now i've been working 7 years and i want to literally you know take all those learnings that i had from that to this policy group now such a beautiful journey from your work at super grassroots level to well, yeah policy side system side and and yeah it's a bit like you know now as you said your advocacy will always be there through not necessarily through mashup but through everything that you do but through now that you are there yeah you can inf- you can whisper at the ear of the prime minister um so that's pretty cool and related to that maybe uh, in general you know and for those who listen or in general how can yeah people support mashal support your dreams uh in your life uh you can see our website www.bamashal.com so mashal is basically uh how should i translate it it's the light the the, the light which is passed on in the olympics as well the mashal so it's like be a mashal be a light for everyone so my website is bamashal.com and if you can support us in any way like if you want to volunteer in your country or city if you think you can take this message in your country if you want to collaborate on the application level if you think that your country needs this application and we can collaborate and take it to a global level or a regional level we can do it because there's somebody who actually from my application you know took that inspiration to her own region so if you think you can help in that way if you think you can donate us if you think you can you know collaborate with the projects if not donation only or uh, in any way i i don't I, i as i said earlier that i say i have never said to no to any opportunity so if there's any opportunity which you know uh, the work can be expanded uh, it's always good because uh, those people who are um, living in uh, you know underdeveloped world underdeveloped countries know these struggles that i'm talking about about the regulations the registrations the being government and talking about such aspects it's not always preferred people also you know investors also feel like investing in business uh, initiatives more than this and because of these problems of course so in any way possible if there is any idea you have i am like we are always welcome you are always welcome we are always available for that and uh, we can connect us uh, through our email 
हमारा वहाँ पर वी हैव ऑल द ई मेल आई डीज ओवर देर आई स्टार्टेड स्पीकिंग इन उर्दू ऑल ई मेल आई डीज इन वेबसाइट्स अदर एड्रेस इज द एड्रेस वेबसाइट एड्रेस ऑफ एप्लीकेशन इज ऑल्सो ऑन द मशल्स वेबसाइट and yeah i will put the website and everything in the description um, but yeah i think having such a very such a very such such <laughs> inspiring conversation we're approaching the end so i would just like to end with my two ending questions that i always ask a bit philosophical but i love them uh, <laughs> but yeah the first one is how how do you hope or how do you want people to know you for or remember you for i want people to remember me for somebody who has made an impact like in any way possible i am i'm totally okay if that that impact was for one girl as well as soon as you know um, somebody's life has changed because of me that's like the biggest success for me so i want people i know that you know there are a lot of legendary people who have you know done remarkable work i know that there are people who are like big names they are forgotten at the end of the day but somewhere some people still know their efforts so i want to be one of those people who would be remembered as somebody who's inspiring who's motivating and who has made an impact i i already remember you like this <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah how would you describe yourself in three hashtags three hashtags so my personal statement back in 2013 started with z- these three hashtags when i didn't show it to any teacher <laughs> so maybe you know they were good enough that they got selected and it was i started my personal statement was um three qualities that i have is creative empathetic and dedicated so this is this was my first sentence so i think i still would like to keep it nice yeah it so it was very very good very spot on already back then and yeah final question is if you could no go back to maybe you know you just started studying sociology it's your first day at university so you can go back in time you can meet lalai at the you know at the exit of the uni and you can tell her something what would you like to tell her Oh my god there's a lot a lot of difference uh, between these two personalities of Lara back in 2010 I'm so old and 2020 <laughs> it's been 11 years of my first day at sociology class so I think very different I mean because it was just like after intermediate and just you know skipping medical school I would go and say that a lot is coming up and be optimistic although at, even at that time i was never uh, you know worried i've seen people getting stressed out all the time and i was telling my friend that other day that if i had this thing in my mind now that uh, what i'm going to do where i have to go to for the job where i have to apply you know these questions if i had these it would stress me out i never thought it this way i just took the opportunity that came and when once i had that opportunity i kept on searching but that's you know the the whole thought process of oh my god what now what now what now this 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 gives me stress even the people if such people are around me it it gives me stress you know to an extent that i cannot uh, work so that's in my nature so even at that time i was not panicked but if i would go there i would you know tell that lara there's a lot is coming up and uh, yes you shouldn't uh, just these 18 years or 25 years are very important 
years of your life it's not just meant for studies only i was not into studies so much but we are not told about the opportunities as i said earlier so lara please know what is internship and volunteer just apply go 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 i would tell her what are the opportunities and platforms <laughs> Cool. Yeah. No. Thank you so much. Love it. Um, yeah. I think. Thank you so much for the conversation. It was so cool. To there's a limit of what I can understand from just talking you on LinkedIn and stuff. So it's very good to get all the stories. I hope I was not speaking so fast. I have to control myself at times. Okay, so I'm not speaking so fast. <laughs> no. It was. It was. It was good for me. Uh, Yeah, I think you you said you master the public speaking skills. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, but I I do this at times. I get so fast. <laughs> no, it was good. I think Omer speaks very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it makes me think about something with Omer. I remember he was um he was speaking about APYE, so Asia Pacific Youth Exchange, and he saw that no in in like I know there was a list of like where people could come from to to apply, and he didn't see Pakistan in the list. Mm. I know most people will be like, "Okay, I cannot apply," but he still applied, and he was like, "Why is Pakistan not in the list?" Yes, <laughs> and he got in, and then they added Pakistan the year after. It happens uh, like a lot of platforms. That's why I started the scholarship workshop. A lot of places I've seen Indians, I've seen Bangladeshis, I've seen because of course I would compare myself to Asian countries. and i've seen pakistan being absent in a lot of lists and i've seen also that yeah no it's so important and i've seen that you you also unleash uh, alumni yeah. yes and when unleash started like back in 2015 it was the first ever workshop in denmark first ever lab at that yes. time my application was not there i i chose health and wellbeing they have like categories of or thematic areas and i oh yes you you actually reminded me of something very good it was you know you know the format you are also alumni yes from uh, china 2019 okay so they have this platform where you choose a category you go and develop an idea so our group was discussing what idea we can have and two of us one there there was one more person from african region he and me said that there should be some online platform for uh, health and the, the other three didn't agree so that's one of those things that happens in unleash when your group with you know other people from different regions they were they didn't agree to that extent that they said that it's not that good but okay let's keep it in that tone right and at that time he and me said okay but we will work on this when we will go back to our countries i forgot this so i have worked on this he knows this now <laughs> so such platforms always gives us such uh, you know it's it's it's, it's good i i love fellowships i have learned a lot through fellowships yeah i planted a small seed that's super cool cool yeah no me too i love fellowships all these programs hopefully yes. there will be more <laughs> coming in the next year i hope um, so but yeah no thank you so much it was so cool um And yeah, I think everyone again. Uh, if you think about any ways you can support or I don't know collaborate with uh, La Laib or Mashal or anything about her advocacy, please contact her. And yeah, such a cool conversation. Thank you so much.
थैंक यू सो मच फॉर कॉलिंग मी आई एम रियली रियली ग्लैड टू कैंक यू आर वेरी गुड पॉजिटिव वाइब एंड यू आर अ वेरी गुड लिस्नर नॉट एवरीबडी इज अ गुड लिस्नर सो आई एम रियली हैप्पी एंड थैंक यू फॉर कॉलिंग मी एंड अलाउंग मी टू शेयर माई स्टोरी आई होप दैट समबडी इज आउट देर हु जस्ट स्टार्टिंग गेट्स दिस मोटिवेशन that without references without any links with bigger organizations or something you still can you know try yourself at least no matter how many times you want what's your passion is just go for it so i hope it has helped somebody and i hope it has came up to the mark as well as you have thought and let's say connected congrats for listening until the end of this episode of course to best support lifeline you can share this episode to two of your friends and subscribe to the next episodes on any platform see you next time